The holidays are a very special time in Fakahatchee. A lot of traditions and old legends. It never snows there, but the humidity does feel as oppressive as an avalanche. But I'd like to take a few moments while this fire is crackling to, to tell you about one of my favorite legends of Fakahatchee. The Eastern Tale of Klaus Sandva. So sit back, grab yourself a nice drink, whatever a nice drink is to you, and enjoy this legend read from the dustiest tome on the dustiest shelf in the dustiest room of my house. Why is this room so dusty? Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the town, no blood rain had fallen, no sky screaming sounds, no night drivers driving, no baptism showers sprayed from a crop duster, and no outages of power. No meat mayors being fed to gators in a pit, the alleyways safe from a Steve who has bit. No lobstermen lurking in the depths of the glades, no 8th Street dust kings flashing butterfly blades, no rolling glass pyramids ending the da Vinciest of codes, no acquitted mayors with parades flooding our roads. Just a town called Fakahatchee that the snow never touches, where the demolition derby owns all the school buses, and the citizens all fast asleep in their beds, with mandated buzzing in waves over their heads. I too was asleep, after meeting up with some buds to put powder in our noses and crack open purple scuds. We raised high our glasses and loudly yelled cheers, a meeting to celebrate our Floridian peers, and maybe most important to eat heavy meats braised and dripping with butter. I was sleeping quite soundly under my sheets when I roused with a shudder. A sound it had hit me in the middle of a snore, and it shook my congested heart straight to the core. My instinctual response chose not fear but flight. I looked out over the swamps and saw a tiny pinhole of light. A few seconds later, I heard his great groan echo out through the swamp gas, and I feared for my home. The light from his lantern, it flickered and spat, but I could see it too clearly from the place that I sat. I swallowed too hard, and my stomach, it sank. I hoped it wasn't him, just some foolish teen's prank. But I heard a clip-clop, and moans and a bray, the sound of his mules forced into dragging his sleigh. Through muck and the mire, across creek beds and swamps, and through brambles and sea grasses and past alligator farms. When I looked on his face, I received such a chill. It was an old withered man whose face looked quite ill. His skin was green tinted, and it hung from his bones. His voice croaked and belched in discordant tones. He yelled, My name is Claus And black ichor poured from his mouth. I've come from the sea mountains, away to the south. I'm parched and malnourished. I'm haggard and gaunt. Let your children see to my mules. A chore no child would want. 
but I went and I roused them with a sharp, violent shake. Their heads lolled on their necks until they came to awake. But they did as I bid, as did the other children in town. We'd heard tales of Klaus Sandva, but never seen him around. They saw to his mules, with fistfuls of meat, they welcomed the flesh, gobbled it up like a treat. Claus himself crawled and collapsed on the bed, with fitful moments of shaking and his face boiled beet red. He called for Frucknifflin, a traditional drink, the taste of motor oil with an accompanying stink, made from moldy potatoes and the milk of a yak. Instead, I gave him a beer from a nearby six-pack. He gulped and he guzzled the ale staining his beard. Then he sank back into bed, his breathing beleaguered. I started to leave, but he ordered me back. I dared not disobey one whose heart was so black. He said, I'll show you three versions of Christmas, future, present, and yawn. I couldn't help but think this trope was a bit overdone. But first, I must rest. My strength it is weak. The journey was long and the sea mountains were bleak. He rested three days, his chest struggling and heaving. I assigned the worst child to deal with his leavings. His DTs were quite fierce, so they plied him with booze. His eyes, cold and dead, never wavered or moved. Each day that would pass, they'd poke a lance at his side, until he had the strength to resist. One day his eyes opened wide. He grabbed at the spear and snapped it in half, waving the point at all the young kids who had laughed. Then he coughed and he trembled, expectorating baubles and trinkets. The shiniest went to my youngest delinquent. I said, you're a man now, Ricky. Get out of my house. Sell those trinkets he coughed up and get thee a spouse. Ricky sighed loudly and lowered his head, gathered his toys, and into the world did he head. As a quick side note to the listener who's listening, Ricky became a chimney sweep with brushes for bristling. And when he's done, that chimney is glistening. But Claus wasn't done with his expectoration and hacking. And out came the Kurik, a sight most nerve-wracking. Floating black lines with oozing eyes and a pout, their ethereal nature countered by too many teeth in their mouth. The Kurik haunted the children to pass judgment on their activity, though I question their bias and lack of objectivity. They menaced those tots who they suspected had failed, at being good boys and girls, and then their bones they inhaled. Inside them they carried these quite tiny femurs, these blistering blobules, these black-winged screamers. They excreted the bones into Klaus' magic satchel, treating them as if they were exquisitely fragile. Claus set to work, his man's strength had returned, crafting and scheming amusements you'd scorn. The children magnificent, who were judged the most good, got these amusements constructed from bone, not from wood. A skull ball, cried Chrissy. A bone stick, said Tomasi. A leg wand, mused Misty. Bam, hollered Emerald Legacy. And what of Claus Sanfa? 
as his demons redeeming. He deferred to his ghosts to teach me holiday meaning. The first Kurik showed me a nuclear winter. My flesh turned to ash and my bones were all splintered. A Christmas tree stood, erect but deneedled. Children still sang around it, and the stores were all peopled. I said, hellish spirit, this seems a jovial time. The Kurik focused on impersonating a mime. I saw presents exchanged and greetings quite warm between gas-masked acquaintances in the nuclear storm. His gator survived, though Duck was quite aged and missing quite a few limbs that I had last seen him waited. Father Jonah Likely was now only a head, ogling his congregation whilst tucked in a bed. And what of the folk in the rest of the town, their lips short of smile and yet not quite a frown? Their greetings exchanged did seem all kinds of wrong. They hit the ear oddly, like the wrong note in a song. A hint of one sadness, in spite of bold wine, was the promise upheld of a nuclear Lichtenstein. I said, Kurik, stop it! My heart can't contain all the knowledge I now possess in my brain. I need a strong thought, a plan, or a glint of an idea toward a nuclear disarmament. There must be some way to stop a country so small from unleashing hell in a nuclear hall. A cost. But as I turned to the Kurik to see face to eye, it had disappeared and could no longer be spied. But my nose held its scent as it crop dusted by leaving it stink like a beached whale on the tide. The number two Kurik blasted my face with a cold wind of nostalgia and withered disgrace. Of Christmases past with horseradish plenty, I had been wasteful and wanton and not taken any upon my roast beef or any other dishes that are fine on their own but benefit from some spiciness. A table quite full with horseradish aplenty, if I estimate the pounds near to twenty. No horseradish widows with their wet salty tears. No wasabi boomtowns, no spice heads in arrears. Wasteful and wanton they were with the plant. I know it's a rude vegetable, but don't be a pedant. I tried my best to warn these poor folk, but a lack of horseradish. They thought it a joke. One person pronounced it a very fine jape while tossing gobs in the trash from a plate that he scraped. When mischievous, taut, and quite small, packed the spicy slaw into a horseradish ball, then hurled it across the room. What a scamp. He left the target both spicy and damp. I cried for the waste and saw the Kurik smile at the unpleasant feelings I had felt the long while. Then that damned Kurik decided to split, <clears throat> after leaving behind gas reeking of shit. I fell to my knees as it caught in my throat, and shivered beneath my gator skin cloak. The third damned Kurik blasted hot juice in my ear, of radio men and Christmases near, of atomized Joes being slung through the air, beamed station to station through science and prayer. Military men wielding ungodly power, tested and testing in the early morning hour. I did not understand, and at this point I was quite spent. I had seen future and yawn. Was this the present? 
My heart felt so heavy, my insides, they cried during this emotionally heavy supernatural ride. But I had one move left, a trick up my sleeve, an important piece of law that I didn't have to read. It was as a sword, like a gun held aloft. The third Kurik farted, and into my nose it did waft. I frantically waved at my nose with the paper, to rid myself of this fetid, reeking vapor. I said, Kurik, you must leave, as this clearly shows past legislation by ex-Mayor Luis Vaminos. No ghosts may roost here, no spirits remaining, or poltergeists moping around and complaining. The Kurik, they heard me, and, being law-abiding, left quickly without further discussion or chiding. <clears throat> then I turned to Claw Sanfa, who was still drunken tucking into his sack for more Molotovs for chucking. Oh, did I not mention what he was busy doing? He was fermenting a case of arson he'd been brewing. We'd lost several buildings, and some people were screaming. I said, get thee gone, Claus. We've no use for you here. With your pale, sweaty old man skin soaked in stinking of beer. You kicked all the dogs and the cats you have poked. You burned up the orphanage and told inappropriate jokes. And he belched, fine, I'll go, but I'll see you next year. When the sun's shining low and the sea mountains thaw, when the air's pickled and misty and it grinds your throat raw, when the waves from the ocean pull back from its maw, you'll be seeing my mules and the grim face of claws. I jolted from my bed with my nose dripping blood. My sheets were stained red from my nasal cavity's flood. My body had ached and my legs felt like mud. Was it really a dream? Or just too much purple scud? Happy holidays from all of us here at Night Drive, which is me and that really cold garage. Happy holidays from this cold garage. Be safe, and we look forward to more episodes in the new year.